Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude blooming theme? Mm, it's card number 17. Violets representing humility. Mm, this one is such a uh, challenging prompt sometimes, uh, humility, because there's so many different misconceptions about the word. But before we jump into the violet and the word, let's just describe the artist's uh, illustration from Arlene Kim Suda. Well, in this illustration, you see two violets and two heart-shaped leaves kind of growing out from the earth. And they almost look like they're looking at each other because these two sweet violets are kind of drooping down. And there's a bit of solemnness, I would say, to the energy of the flower. Um, And then the leaves just feel so optimistic as they're kind of shooting up and looking at the sky almost with the word humility written in cursive at the top, kind of looks like the sky almost. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very almost simple sort of flower and illustration. It's not sort of complicated. Last week we had prayer and it was this like full kind of bouquet dome-shaped structures of ton of petals. This is like you can count there's in total between the two flowers, it looks like there's maybe seven petals, right? And so it's just like, hey, this is not complicated. Uh, It's very simple. And then these two leaves. So in your research on the flower uh, violets, what did you find? Well, before I go into that, I actually wanted to share a testimonial from one of our listeners from the podcast. Um, And it's a Full disclosure, it's a friend of mine. (laughs) We like Um, friends. (laughs) um, But it's always nice to get a text message saying, um, you know, how the podcast is landing for people personally. And so my friend, Gina, she actually picked the prayer card with her partner. And she said, thank you so much for the explanation and the unpacking of the word prayer. Because at first, when we pulled the card together... We had no idea what to think of that and how it was relevant to our relationship. But after listening to the podcast and hearing the two of you talk about it, it helped us make meaning out of it for our own lives. So I think the hope that I want to have around this uh, exploration of humility today is that, you know, this helps you unpack what this means because it's a big word. (laughs) It's It's a very big word, like prayer, you know, but it's only actually a handful of letters. Um, And, you know, this one, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait to sort of dive into this word some more. But before we do, you know, I think it's great to first connect with the flower itself because, you know, there's so much knowledge just in the plant. You know, I, I read recently something about how to nature, there is no mystery, right? It, it just, it knows itself very well. It's us that have all the questions. And so trying to actually start with what is the sort of knowledge that nature has and just how best can we sort of uh, discern what nature is saying in some ways. Yeah, I love that anchoring with the flower first. So the violet is um, part of the viola family. And they're mostly found in the northern hemisphere. So more temperate climates, they like a lot of water. And um, some of you might have heard of, you know, violets, violas. 
There's a flower called Johnny Jump Ups and Pansies. So they're all part of the same family. Don't you, do you remember, Omar, when you were a child, like, you know, talking about pansies? Or... A pocket full of posies. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, lots of, um, you know, connection to that. And the couple of things that really fascinated me about the the violet is, one, the way that the, the seed actually... Um, gets pollinated is they're called capsules. So they're hard little seeds. And there's a process where it actually splits open and it it feels like an explosion for these hard seeds to crack open. And then the ants actually find these seeds and they, and they pollinate them. So the ants are the pollinators? One of the pollinators. The butterflies also love to pollinate them, but I was just fascinated by how the ants are part of this ecosystem. Yeah, you don't always think about ants as pollinators, um, which, you know, in some ways is is a great uh, tie into humility, right? You don't don't think about ants, right? The small little ants, we, we tend to focus on the beautiful bees or, you know, the amazing butterfly. Amazing. And we and we sometimes, you know, get annoyed with those ants that are just in our way when they're traveling. But oh my goodness, they're such an important part of pollinating and just keeping the ecosystem alive. Couple other interesting facts. Um, the violet was heavily regarded by the ancient Greeks. They used it to create um, sweeteners for the wine and the food. So all the parts of the violet are actually edible. And um, Napoleon Bonaparte actually declared violets his signature flower. So he used these beautiful flowers to honor his wife at her grave. And he also used it as a form of um, determining if he could trust the loyalty of someone. He would ask them, "Um, what do you think about these flowers? And if they said, ooh, we like these flowers, then he would approve of them for their loyalty. So I, I, I thought that was a fun fact about the violets being kind of this way of checking someone's virtue. <laughs> yeah, um, you, 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 I, honestly, you, you got me distracted by, um, or I got myself distracted by the pocket full of posies. Because, you know, there you have that, and now I have that song in my head, right? Ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies. And... Rosies are not actually roses. Rosies was actually the rash that was developed on the skin during the bubonic plague. And the pocket full of posies was like a way to cover up the smell. So it's just, I don't know, there's, you're sort of talking about this flower and how it brings out these different virtues, but it also kind of covers up things in that situation. Yeah, there's a lot of paradox there because you know, the Greeks were making perfumes out of the the violet. And and then I was reading something about there's actually a chemical compound in certain violets that actually desensitizes the receptors in the nose. So you can't actually smell the flower until it it resensitizes. Whoa. So there's just this interesting balance that's happening naturally with this with this flower, isn't it? It desensitizes. It's sort of like a reset button. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's an aperitif, you know, it's like, hey, you know what, let's cleanse the palate. Then you can actually appreciate something more fully, which, hey, maybe that's what humility is. It's a way to like cleanse the palate and like really appreciate something fresh and new. Yeah, lots of fun facts uh, about the violet, which, you know, you just think, wow, it's a really simple, beautiful, colorful flower. Who knew all of this history behind it? 
Well, and it's, you know, and I think it ties really well with the word humility, which has so many different connotations to it. Sometimes people sort of think about it as, you know, the sort of one definition, which is like low or lowly. But in actuality, the word um, derives in Latin from sort of humus, which means of the ground or soil. And so it's like, what are we standing on, right? And humility is then all of a sudden a foundation, right? It may be a floor, but it doesn't sort of define your ceiling. It's sort of saying like, okay, how far you go is going to depend on what you're standing on and what is that virtue that's going to give you firm footing. Yeah, you can really feel the embodiment of humility in that way. I'm just like looking at the the leaves and imagining how they're anchored into the earth with with the, these two violets together. And it's interesting that there are two flowers, right? Because humility is is not something that is like our, ourselves alone in a cave. It's actually like <laughs> how do we show reference. up? <laughs> Where did that come from? But okay. Yeah, just alone in the world, right? right. In our rooms. Ah, but like, you. you know, but like, it actually is a practice that requires being in relationship. I think that's the key, right? Like, it is about being in relationship to things. Um, and as you know, I think the definition that I tend to use when thinking about humility is that it's not about being too high or too low but actually really being able to see something for what it is, right? And that's really, to me, when we can appreciate something for what it is without kind of judging it or inflating it positively or negatively, that to me is sort of at least what I aspire to uh, when I think about the virtue of humility. In preparing for this podcast this week, I actually picked up an old book that I read, you know, seven years ago when I started the gratitude journey, I was like, what is the research on gratitude? You know, and, and Omar, it's been fun to like explore this with you and hear about your own exploration of gratitude. And I remember Robert Emmons work, uh, you know, he was really focusing his research at UC Davis on, on gratitude. And I was just flipping through the book and I just landed on chapter five and it was saying, what's the biggest obstacle to gratitude and what's the remedy? And literally in the book, at the beginning of this chapter, he says, since the time of the ancient philosopher Seneca, or even before, having an overly high opinion of oneself has been seen as the chief obstacle to feeling and expressing gratitude. So this is literally a humility or lack of humility is literally the the obstacle mm. to to gratitude, being able to see beyond yourself, essentially. Well, I think that's like the heart of it is what are we noticing, right? When we cloud our judgment of something as either, oh, we are more than this or we are less than this, then we're really not being able to appreciate something for what it is. And this is then where the, the, sort of the ego, and again, the sort of light and shadow side of ego can interfere. And I think sometimes we only sort of think about humility as like, oh, I don't want my my ego to be too big. But the inverse is just as problematic, right? When we don't actually sort of realize the sort of magic and the gifts that we we have and how we're sort of given the opportunity to share them. I'm going to totally steal that quote from later because I'm actually recording a podcast with Zeneca, who took his name <laughs> as an inspiration from Seneca. And we're going to be talking about gratitude 
to the NFT community later today. So that's perfect segue for me. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so curious what came up for Arlene and how she matched the violet with this word humility and this, this like big virtue. Here's the story of the humility card featuring two violets. I still remember drawing this flower from a photo while visiting an Andy Goldsworthy sculpture on the Stanford campus near the Cantor Art Museum. It was a warm, dry day, and I was sitting under an oak tree with hummingbirds hovering over my head. As idyllic as it sounds, it actually was very uncomfortable. I was sitting on the ground without a blanket, and the oak leaves felt like thorns beneath me. The air was dusty, and the hummingbirds seemed to be hard at work and slightly annoyed by my presence. And I was having a lot of trouble drawing these flowers. If you look closely at the original pencil-on-paper drawing, you will see lots of eraser marks left behind. The whole time I was drawing, I had these thoughts of doubt in my head as the birds were buzzing around me. How can drawings still be so hard to do? Does it take this much effort for other artists to make their art? Maybe I'm not really meant to do this. The thorny, dried leaves on the ground and territorial hummingbirds reminded me how humbled I am to be alive and part of this miraculous, yet also harsh world. And I was so humbled by the experience of not being able to draw something I was trying so hard to draw. Every now and then, I think it is healthy to be reminded of how small we are in the grand scheme of things. I think we can get caught up in our own minds and worlds that can make us overly egotistical or egocentric. In some ways, I feel like humility is a powerful tool because when we truly understand our smallness, I think we also in some ways make space for us to become very big in a different, non-egotistical way. It's hard to describe, but it's like a feeling where when we realize we are all equally small, we also become infinitely big. Every week, medicine for the soul with our artist Arlene Kimsuda. It's jumping knowledge this week. Um, I love the... I don't know what 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 snagged on me was just the word doubt, and you know, and I think there's sort of two sort of pieces of it. So sometimes when we do have that edge, I I like to think of almost as like a piece of wood, and what are those splinters that are sticking out in us? And so one of those splinters that I have is around doubt sometimes, and so it always like snags on things. And there's this real tension between doubt and certainty. Sometimes certainty feels very comfortable because like, ah, I know something. And, you know, and there's a confidence that can sort of derive from that knowing. But then at the same time, humility is asking us to really look at everything we don't know sometimes. And that then swings us into the realm of doubt. And so how to find that like comfort zone, what's that sort of place that we can kind of be like, okay, 
it's okay to feel this doubt. Let me explore it. What's the sort of curiosity um, behind it? And I love hearing how she had all these eraser marks, uh, you know, on the drawing. And we're only getting then the polished sort of version of it. And like, how often is that true in life, right? Like Instagram life is like, oh, this is the polished version of things. Or there's memes around uh, be kind to others because you have no idea what they're actually going through. Because what we're really seeing is like the tip of the iceberg. And we make these big judgments of what's happening without really seeing what's happening under the water. Uh, and so just how do we be present to what we know and what we don't know and not be so sort of reactive and snag on it? Yeah, it is. It's such an interesting inner struggle because I I feel like, you know, when we when we're growing up, like our parents are, you know, my parents were constantly like, we need you to be successful. We need, we immigrated to this country so you could be successful. And it's interesting how there's a sense of how you have to be confident in what, you, what you're good at or, sh- or demonstrate that you're confident. A lot of times in school, that's kind of the experience. And, and then over time, you know, you go into the work world where you have to kind of prove yourself and, and prove what you know, prove what you can do. And, and maybe it's, it's not that high stakes. And maybe in my mind, it's, it was that way. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying, Omar, around like, yeah, most of the time we know so little and we're just trying to figure it out. And I, I find that to be so true right now in our collaboration with Arlene as we're, you know, developing our own uh, NFTs and exploring that world that you've shared with us and just trying to understand how can we bring the power of these plants into the, the Web3 world. And and it's like an, a super growth edge. And and I love how you've brought in the sprinkled in the curiosity into the like doubt of not really knowing in this world where it's totally evolving and to me, that's, you know, it's kind of an interesting play with humility as well. Well, this has been great in seeing Arlene now move from pencil and paper to digital design. And, you know, I think at first there was some resistance to like, why do we need these? You know, what's the point of, don't we need less technology and off our phones more and being more grounded in the earth? But at the same time, it's where people are. And and so instead of just resisting it, how do we embrace and infuse our values that we care so deeply about into this space? And so, you know, in our last call with Arlene, it was she actually used that word. She was like, oh, it's just the curiosity of how these digital layers then can like take these images and create new things. Um, and so I think that for me, then what's the practice, right? Like how do we actively practice humility in a way that sort of allows us to feel into our discomfort, to feel into our doubt, um, and to just still know that we'll be okay, right? And again, just going back to that word humility being soil or ground, like when we know the ground that we're standing on, then in some ways it doesn't really matter what's happening around us because we can be confident in where our feet are planted. Yeah. It's an interesting balance of, you know, just being, yeah, confident in and trusting of what is possible. Like, you know, when she was saying the going from 
being in our smallness collectively to then be in the infinite bigness of it, it, it does feel like this interconnected wholeness where it's like, I, yeah, I can be, I can trust, I can feel confident in where I am and who I am and also not know and also be uncertain and doubt. Yeah. It's, it's like, it can hold all of it. <laughs> it feels like this one's tugging at something uh, with you. What, what would you say? How, how is smallness uh, landing for you? Well, it's, I think it's been interesting the past few conversations we've had as a team. And, you know, you've talked a lot about like the journey of being an entrepreneur. And I've been reflecting a little bit about my journey as well. You know, we've had some conversations about it um, on the Twitter space. And I think there's always this desire to have success. And, you know, we even talked to our somatic coach about it this week. You know, I literally asked him, I was like, what is it going to take to feel successful in, in, in this work and in, in feeling like it's sustainable, you know, energetically, financially, all the things. And, and, you know, to be, you know, moving forward on this for now five to six years, it feels like, wow, you know, starting to get a little tired here, you know, and seeing also just the hard, the, the hardness of it, the difficulties around it, because there's so much unknown still. And, and then I realized like, wow, like I'm, I'm like being really entitled about this, you know, where, oh, I've, I've been working for this for so long and it's mission driven and I feel it in my heart and all these things kind of match. But there's a part of me that I think is, is a little entitled, like, well, because of all these things, I should feel success. I should eventually have these questions answered, you know, and, and it was beautiful to have our coach say, none of us can guarantee success. I can't tell you success for my life or your, what you're doing. It's just, you know, we have to be available to all of the possibilities. And, and maybe that's the point is just the journey of it. And, and it's very humbling. Like when, when I was like, wow, I'm actually like being very entitled right now around this. It, it was very humbling mm. to be like, no, I don't know even with the best team in the world, in my opinion, um, I still don't know. Right. And it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it reminds me of like putting things in perspective. And whenever I do that, I always think about space, right? And there's, you know, we have our galaxy, you know, and we've got our planets and then you sort of look out and you have the Milky Way and you have all these other, you know, like literally hundreds of millions of stars and planets. Um, and even with all those hundreds of millions of planets, they only make up like less than 10% of space. And the other 90% you know, if you go to NASA's website, they call dark matter or dark energy. And we literally cannot measure it. And so it's always mind boggling to me that 90% of what we call space, we can't even measure. And we're focused on that like five, 10% that we can measure. And we make all these sort of assumptions and judgments. In some ways, it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? It's like we make all these assumptions and judgments about what something is. And we actually have so very little knowledge um, 
but then this all of a sudden, you, you know, the, I think the 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 caution though is then you can sort of swing to the low side of humility, where like I don't know anything, and then you're just sort of like you know sort of swimming in doubt, and you know it can feel like you're drowning in doubt, and and so then sort of course correcting and be like, okay, what's the right amount of like what do I know? What is that sort of what is true in my life? What is foundational? Um, how do I sort of anchor on that and then be comfortable with sort of moving things forward? How has that been showing up in your life as you're entering into these unknown worlds and creating actually the the paradigms around them? Or, like, I'm so curious how, how that's been feeling for you. I know you, you picked that in the gratitude bot recently. I saw that <laughs> in our discord. <laughs> I'm loving our gratitude bot in the discord. Um, it's just so accessible and it makes it almost feel like a game. Um, and it's just so like, I was, you know, I was just having a difficult moment and it was just like, okay, Hey, what bloom card should I hit? And, you know, it randomly picks one like a magic eight ball. And, you know, I think it, it put things in perspective. And I think what I'm finding about myself really in this sort of entrepreneurial journey is where do I, like, what is the right altitude for me to fly at, right? And I think if I get too mired into the details, then it's just sort of like, ooh, this can just feel like drudgery. But if I sort of soar too high, then it's sort of like, well, what's actually actionable and, you know, can move sort of the needle. And so for me, I think where I like to play is, in partnerships and collaborations. So then that way it's like, okay, I take the best of what I know, you take the best of what you know, and then what kind of alchemy is possible there. And like, as an example, yesterday I pinged Zeneca and a couple of other people in the NFT space. And I was like, Hey, what do you think about doing like a hashtag thankful Thursday? And, you know, and it went out this morning and it was like four people, four organizations, um, and it was just quick and fast. And we were just able to put something out there and just be like, hey, let's just lift up this idea of Thankful Thursday and Twitter and NFTs. And it happened so easily. And so recognizing like, okay, everything doesn't have to be a heavy lift. And maybe that sort of humility too is like when you sort of think about like, oh, I'm on my own. I'm having to do this myself um, as opposed to, hey, this is good. How do I share it with others? And then all of a sudden, you know, many hands make for light work. I really appreciate that concrete example because I feel like we're in this interesting inflection point as in the Western world where, you know, we we thrived because we were self-sufficient. And now it's almost like, wait a second, this is not sustainable for this planet. And this isn't really make work making us happier. <laughs> we're actually feeling more alone than ever. And now it's like we're trying to figure out, well, then how can we be in relation, right relationship where, like you were saying, it's like everybody's bringing something. It's, it's, I'm imagining like the pollinators in Arlene's story. And then together we're making the best honey possible or, or whatever that shared purpose is. And I, I really hear and feel that in what you're exploring right now, meeting new people, new partnerships, trying to figure out, you know, what, what's the secret sauce you're bringing? What am I bringing? How are we going to like make this work together? It's, you know, just to keep mixing metaphors, 
it's just one giant stone soup, you know? And it's like, <laughs> okay, we got this rock that we're all sitting on this rock, this planet. And, you know, what is the thing that we're going to contribute? And it's only the ego that sort of says like, well, this is either only just water and a stone, or that's the sort of, you know, shadow side of humility, or the sort of, you know, ego side of it is like, oh, I can make the soup by myself. And, you know, and then I think the truth is like, oh, it, it actually, everybody has their own secret ingredient. So when you were putting together the prompt for this card, what was the question that really felt true? Card number 17, violets, representing humility. Humility is a quiet yet powerful gift. How can you share this gift with others? Yeah, I just, I think that this is in some ways why I was really excited about this, like, joint hashtag for Thankful Thursday. Because I think so many times we just sort of, like, we try to do these things ourselves. And it's like, no, how do we, how do we come together? And then to come together, then you actually have to listen in a different way, right? Because then it's not just your idea. It's like, okay, how do we adjust you know, to each other. And I think that's what I've really been now is like with these collaborations and partnerships is becoming clearer on our roles and expectations and how do we communicate those things in a way that, um, you know, preserves our own integrity, but makes space for the other person as well. And this is, I think, one of the things that I'm excited about with Web3 is that it really is about this autonomy meets interdependence right like individualism is all about my autonomy and interdependence recognizes that well but we are in community right we are part of an ecosystem and so how do we maintain um, both of those things uh, in a way that really holds respect not only for myself but you know for the other people as well you're living it. You're practicing it. You're playing with the it in all your collaborations. It's it's wonderful, and I feel your curiosity in that too. Which, which it's like almost helps with the humility piece, right? Because it's like, oh, I don't need to have it all figured out. I can just explore it and see what happens. And so we've recently held some gratitude circles, and this card also came up. Humility is oftentimes praised as something as like a leadership trait that people have or don't have, as opposed to like, what if we all grew our humility um, and that our humility could look different for different people in different contexts. And it doesn't mean, <laughs> you know, any one person has to be humble. It's all of us like rethinking about how humility shows up and how do we model that and celebrate that, whether you're the main attraction of the flower or, you know, the supporting leaf um, that gives the flower as much life and ability to continue to grow. It makes me think about the prompt around quiet and powerful and, and, and what is being shared is oftentimes, especially in leadership, positions and I felt that myself in the past just how you almost feel like you have to be like in the front of things to kind of hold it together and if, and what she's saying in in her reflection is you know what would that look like if we honored all the parts and 
Yeah, some, sometimes that's seen, sometimes that's unseen, sometimes that's heard, sometimes that's unheard. And just being able to recognize that all of it is important. And back to the ecosystem metaphor, it's like the, all of these pieces are necessary and critical for the collective. Yeah, I love that she called in some ways humility a plant, right? Like it's the seed that we all have, but what are we doing to help grow it? And then I think that also, you know, it's not about one person being humble. It's not about just the leader being humble. It's about what is, because then I think sometimes when we have those terms and words, we're ignoring our own ability, our own leadership and our own authority. And so how is it that we, you know, and this is why, you know, in some ways the prompt is like, well, how do we share it? Recognizing that we, this is something that we can all do regardless of our position. Humility and surrender for me tend to be pretty close neighbors. They cohabitate the townhouse and share a wall. Um, and I, I mix them up a bit because they always kind of coexist together. I tend to surrender and become more humble or because of my humility, I surrender more. Uh, it allows me to surrender. And yeah, they're always t- kind of dancing together for me. These are just amazing metaphors that we're getting this week in terms of surrender and and, uh, humility being neighbors. Um, And I just, I go back to the thing I said at the beginning, which is at least sometimes when my heart has these um, splinters and they things snag on in those splinters and then it hurts. And I feel like humility is in some ways like then sandpaper to help smooth those splinters and enables me to surrender in a more graceful way. I think it's, yeah, surrender to me is really like a big acknowledgement of just, I have no control (laughs) over, you know, the situation. And you know, I think the times when I've had the hardest time with humility is when I felt inadequate for some reason, you know, like I, I just can't quite get it right. Or I remember like piano recitals as a child, it was like, oh my God, you know, so like hard and, um, or, you know, trying to tackle big problems, which I tend to do. I don't know why I keep doing that, but it's something I feel deeply called to, to do at the, you know, for the world, for myself, for my community. And, and, you know, that requires a lot of surrendering, um, letting go so that I can stay humble to the, the process the outcome and and also like not as attached because I think the inadequacy comes from feeling like I have to be successful or I have to have these outcomes met. And um, so I really am appreciating the metaphor of just how surrender and humility are part of the same house. <laughs> they all connect. They help each other. <laughs> well, to continue the house metaphor and to weave in my one of my favorite poems um, the uses of not from Lao Tzu like 2,500 years ago. And I think it's the third or fourth stanza. It goes, um, cut doors and windows to make a room where the room is not, there's room for you. And so what are we making space for in our lives? 
And when we make that space, then all of a sudden, and then as Harleen said, then there's room for all of us. And, you know, it's our own egos that all of a sudden gets in the way of that sometimes. And we sort of say like, oh, I got to take up the whole room. and This is all mine. Um, and then there isn't enough to share. There isn't enough to go around. And then we enter into this sort of like scarcity, sort of abundant sort of fight. And then it's like feast or famine. And it's like, nope, how do we actually make room for each other? And then not only am I enough, but there's enough for all of us. That's beautiful. So for this week, what is our practice? Yeah. So this week, I actually practiced it a little bit earlier. Um, just, you know, oftentimes humility is something that is hard to notice and see because it's quiet and it's kind of in the background. But if we take the time to to pause, to look for it, we suddenly start seeing it in, in all these unexpected ways. So our practice is to look for humility this week. Look for this quiet power among the flowers and the trees and wherever you have access to nature, where do you notice that quiet yet powerful energy of humility? Look for it in the people that you surround yourself with this week. Is there someone that's showing up in this grounded, quiet, yet powerful way that you just want to notice and even acknowledge in your interaction? Could be someone that you see and connect with every day or even someone at the grocery store where you just start to notice their humility and just see what can bloom from this awareness of looking for humility around you. Thank you, Belinda. That humility also might just be in the mirror and looking at yourself in a different way. I'm also going to be looking for ants this week and appreciating them in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for everyone to share with us. What do you find from the scavenger hunt around humility? And yeah, starting with yourself too. Well, we appreciate you listening. Please continue to like, give reviews, send us messages. Um, we'll share in the show notes all the different ways to connect with us. And we wish you well. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.